You're listening to Spice Radio's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margareta Dovgal, Managing Director at ResourceWorks Society. This week's topic, ResourceWorks 2.0, what the ResourceWorks Society is looking to accomplish in its second decade. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great to be here this morning. Good morning. Let's dive right into it. You've taken on the Managing Director role in recent months. What's ahead for ResourceWorks 10 years on? Well, it's undeniable that we've been taking an increased national focus over the past several years, and a lot of that has been just responding to what's going on in the world. BC's economy has always been affected by national trends and decisions, and it's become increasingly necessary to become more active on these matters. But I think this has also had the positive impact of enabling us to form relationships further afield, uh, whether that's in Ottawa or New Brunswick <laughs> or uh, northern Canada, Yukon, Northwest Territories, uh, lots of things like that. And, uh, of course, in 2020, during the height of pandemics and, uh, you know, mass anxiety about COVID-19, we launched a number of initiatives that try to take stock of our new reality, uh, including the very punnily named Resource Works from Home. Uh, this was a participatory virtual webinar series that was intended to connect Canadians in the resource sector, uh, featuring prominent thought leaders in conversation with myself, uh, Stuart Muir, our founder and CEO, uh, and uh, those who joined. Um, but of course, uh, you know, we expected mostly people from Western Canada to be into it, but turns out that many, even way, way past the Rockies, actually wanted to engage. And simultaneously that year, we pursued the Task Force for Real Jobs, Real Recovery. And uh, that turned into our most impactful and best organized activity to date. We published a 90-page report, tabled 19 recommendations for the federal government, built a national coalition of 38 members, including all the major natural resource industry groups, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters, and several major national unions, as well as a variety of Indigenous groups. Uh, so really, I would say that our advocacy that fall and winter yielded not only you know, successful presentations to dozens of civil servants, but also a sense that our recommendations were being taken seriously. Uh, the federal budget announcement in 2021 put an emphasis on clean technology and Indigenous economic development, very much in line with our recommendations. And the Conservative Party of Canada also went to it, into its 2021 election with a climate platform that I think was definitely inspired by what we did. So it's been a busy past couple of years. We're essentially ready for an entirely new phase of our work, one that takes ResourceWorks and all its projects to the next level. So, you know, to answer your question, I think our second decade is probably going to be marked by an intensification of the events like the Indigenous Partnership Success Showcase Conference that we're now running and projects that we've been developing in recent years, uh, working to continue to harness all the subject matter expertise that we, we often run into through our reports, opinion pieces, blogs, newsletters, speaking events, podcasts, webinars. There's so many things that we end up doing that I'm not even mentioning here. Um, but I also fully expect that this is going to mean more of these exact same skills being developed in-house. And as it relates to what people can see and hear, we're working to fine-tune a focus that inspires and resonates, that conveys the multidisciplinary nature of the immense challenges and opportunities related to energy, resources, climate change, environmental management, and innovation that Canada faces today. So really, building consensus in this space that's growing more and more conflicted by the day has never been more important. Does this align with the latest on Canadian public opinion, particularly in the wake of the Russia-Ukraine conflict? I would say so. The past several years have been really chaotic. You know, so much has happened. Uh, Most of us probably watch more U.S. politics than Canadian politics. Um, 
slide, it's it's definitely remarkable that the progression and then the end of the Trump presidency was probably one of the least notable things that happened in the last couple of years. Um, Now, of course, there's a conflict raging in Eastern Europe and uh, destroying people's lives and futures. It's sending waves of refugees to all corners of the globe. And we're hearing all about it here in Canada, but it, it hits close to home for me as well. My mother's hometown in Ukraine was recently shelled, and now a significant number of its residents are homeless and vulnerable. And elsewhere in Europe, there's a real energy crisis that's been precipitated both by the disruption of supply to things like natural gas, but also sanctions that have uh, gone into the mix. Um, Of course, the EU is really, really struggling to ensure that its locally sourced renewables and nuclear, depending on where you are, uh, can actually match the demand that's there. And since the spike in natural gas prices which is a mainstay of the energy supply in Germany, there's been a worrying comeback spelled for coal, of all things. Uh, You know, fortunately, a couple of countries like France uh, are ramping up their plans to get more nuclear online, um, but others are avoiding it, um, even though it's a clean and safe energy source, largely for political reasons. Uh, And in Canada, you know, being such a small country, at least by population, we're certainly thinking about what all of this means uh, and whether we can help. So... The unfortunate reality is that investment timelines usually take about a decade to get anything major built, at least in Canada. Not to say, you know, that's true for the rest of the world. You know, China manages to find money and build and get things operational in the time it takes us to consider something. Um, But if we are able to progress, we could be a solutions provider, maybe not in the short term, but potentially in the long term. And I think this underscores this increasing realization by most Canadians and our governments, that we could have a role to play in providing not only responsibly sourced in-demand energy products, but also other resource commodities. Uh, A friend of mine has been saying recently that the federal government appears to have finally discovered that mining exists. Uh, And, you know, this is is the perfect time for that discovery, seemingly, because we've never needed metals and minerals more. And as I always like to say, Canada is a mining superpower. We have so many incredible resources um, that already, you know, in large part been developed, but many of it haven't been developed yet because either the market hasn't been there and now it will be. Uh, we haven't had the you know, domestic processing capacity in some cases, or the investment has just gone to cheaper uh, jurisdictions around the world. But I think that we can find ways through technology and innovation to change that paradigm and supply the world with responsibly, sustainably sourced uh, minerals and metals. Uh, Ultimately, I would say there's never been a better time to find a path forward that harmonizes so many different but definitely important goals um, that affect Canada as a whole, whether that's economic growth and productivity. Those have been lagging uh, in some meaningful respects, and we need to do better. Reconciliation and just economic development, we have so much more work to do on that file. Uh, Of course, environmental protection and climate action, never more important and, as many people are realizing, global security and well-being. Canada can be a global leader. I think any immigrant will tell you we have an enviable foundation of national prosperity and wealth. And we're also, in a relatively rare way, a rules-based society. So I hope the essential fact of how this is rare and how this is exceptional in the world guides our public thinking for years to come. And that's definitely what we're going to be doing and focusing on at ResourceWorks for the next couple of years. And now let's chat about what's been occurring in the world at large. There is a looming emissions cap for the oil and gas industry. By 2030, emissions need to be driven down by about 15%. What can you tell us about this? Uh, Yes, the emissions cap uh, 
In short, I think it's been guided by misinformed and ultimately counterproductive perspectives on where Canada can help on climate change. You know, there's a lot of effort to halt industrial development in Canada, and ultimately I, I think this misses the picture on what's happening in the world. Uh, we have products that the world continues to need. Uh, whether or not we produce, the world still needs them. And the United States is now, surprisingly, the world's leading LNG producer. Again, in the blink of an eye, while we were just trying to get, over the course of one decade, one major project off the ground. And of course, it's our largest private sector investment in Canadian history, LNG Canada. But still, more should come, more should have come sooner. But now we have an opportunity to do a bit better. And as that energy crisis in Europe and around the world has underscored, um, we can't miss more opportunities to support our allies. Um, of course, kneecapping our own industries um, doesn't actually do anything with, with demand elsewhere. It, it can be met, and it can be met with lower standards. Um, so I really, really expect that uh, if, we, if we take a good hard look, we can leverage the exact same brilliance that made something that was previously a waste, bitumen, into a valuable export commodity, uh, to develop new commodities for export, to drive down emissions uh, for oil and gas. And I think a cap doesn't actually get the full picture. Domestic energy consumption and its emissions are distinct from energy production for international export and those emissions. So a sectoral cap that kind of misses a picture about wh where the end use of these products are doesn't really get the full picture about what's happening around the world. Um, and it does nothing to address the demand, like I said. So let's, let's focus on that emissions intensity and driving it down. We've already seen massive year-over-year -year reductions. I think these leading producers can get even further, and we just need to make sure that we don't accidentally affect our competitiveness and make it impossible for Canadian products to compete on a global market. But lots more about that uh, in the future, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And now for the most recent news in municipal politics, Vancouver's oldest political party, the Nonpartisan Association, has had its mayoral candidate drop out of the race and it's making us all go, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> well, the word on the street is that the NPA has been seeing some catastrophic inter internal polling and, uh, well, publicly we've been seeing stuff that's not so good. The historically strong NPA's contender, uh, John Cooper, was at the end of the pack uh, in recent polls. Um, and a couple of things are at play here. Um, of course, they, they could still pick a replacement, but it's kind of busy. Uh, there's already Colleen Hardwick with team running, Mark Marison of Progress Vancouver, Ken Sim of ABC, and the incumbent mayor, Kennedy Stewart. Um, so there's going to be a couple of issues that are really key to this campaign. Um, you know, roughly, I would premise it as uh, housing and social issues. Uh, on one hand, with, with a housing file, there's efforts to promote housing affordability, but those are squaring off against efforts to keep Vancouver at the exact size and fuel that it has been since the 1970s. And nothing makes that as clear as the resuscitation of Hardwick's Fathers Party team. And back in the 70s, they implemented policies that stalled building and construction for decades. In fact, we've never really recovered from that to date. Uh, the Broadway Plan, one of our most ambitious housing uh, density proposals in decades face considerable opposition from a minority of homeowners. But of course it passed. And although it's not easy to act on this file in a city that's walled in by the mountains and the sea, we need to try. And uh, as I alluded to, um, there's uh, another issue at play here. You know, Ken Sim certainly hopes that we can frame this as a growth in crime and disorder. Um, I think there's complex social issues at play there that we need to honestly talk about. But in the coming months, there's going to be lots and lots of time to dive into those. 
and how these issues are being treated across the region. But for now, mark your calendars. Election Day is October 15th. Mm -hmm. And it's only just the beginning, Margareta, so a whole lot to look forward to there. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too. Bye.